0: Well, good morning, friends. Good morning. Thank you so much for that great song. It's one of my favorites, for sure. So today, we'll we'll have the benefit of exploring our faith's roots in service uh, to our fellow human beings. Indeed, you need not look any further than our first, second, and sixth principles to understand why so many of us in this fellowship have actually served the greater good in one form or another. Just as a refresher, that first principle the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Second principle, justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. And the sixth principle, the goal of world, community, with peace, liberty, and justice for all. Thank you for joining me this morning for what I hope is a discussion that honors these vocations and these passions. Every generation inherits a world it never made. And as it does so, it automatically becomes the trustee of that world for those who come after. In due course, each generation makes its own accounting to its children. Great words of the many great words uh, uttered by Robert Kennedy too many years ago. So I was inspired uh, to give this sermon today uh, because on a day after October 1st of 2017, we probably remember the Las Vegas shooting. Too many people lost their lives. I was in a state of shock. And like so many others looking for some words of strength to hang on to, just kind of looking around and that's when I remembered the words of Fred Rogers. When I was a boy, And I would see scary things in the news. My mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. To this day, especially in times of disaster, I remember my mother's words. And I'm always comforted by realizing that there are still so many helpers. So many caring people in the world. That's when I was able to see the endless video loops of that horrible event and begin to find hope. Look at all those helpers. Simple, unassuming, regular people thrust into service to each other. Indeed, in every natural or man-made disaster, you, are exactly, uh, you see exactly the same response play out. We are at our core in service to each other. There's also that subpopulation of people that volunteer to serve before they're even asked. They are compelled by a fundamental drive to put others' needs above their own. Many in this room fall into that category. So please, for a moment, uh, humor me a little bit um, and kind of follow along if you don't mind. So as I kind of call out your vocation or the thing that you do, please rise, stand up for a moment if you're able to, or raise your hand if you're not, um, and then we'll just kind of, it'll lead to something, hopefully. <laughs> and let's also keep in mind that just like the Marines uh, always say there's no such thing as a retired or former Marine, there's no such thing as a retired or former uh, person who, who, who gives to uh, their society, to their to the fellow human being. So if you're a teacher, please rise, raise your hand. Military. First responders, police officers, firefighters, paramedics. Anybody who served in public service of any form. Anybody who's in the medical profession. And uh, anybody who's served as a community advocate, whether with children, legal, immigration, domestic violence. If you look around, actually, if you've served in any volunteer or community service capacity of any form, right? That's the entire congregation. Everybody stand up, right? (laughs) Everybody stand up. When you look around, what you see... It's a community of helpers, right? This is why Tanya and I became UUs. We knew people who actually were very similar to us who had a compassion and a drive to actually want to serve each other. We're surrounded by the helpers in the world. We are them. And that's why the title of this this sermon is exactly that. Every day we walk into this congregation, we know we're surrounded by people who actually are making this world a better place. So I celebrate each and every single one of you for making this world better as a result, and especially when it's hard to do that. So I just want to share a couple of words from people who actually have better words than I do. Okay, a lot better words. Our former president, uh, John F. Kennedy, uh, said a couple things. First, a man does what he must in spite of personal consequences, in spite of obstacles and dangers and pressures. And this is the basis of all human morality. He also said our problems are largely man-made. Therefore, they may be solved by man. And man can be a big as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. And things seem tougher than they possibly can be, just realize that very very fact. John Steinbeck, years ago, said about teachers. I've come to believe that a great teacher is a great artist, and that there are as few as there are any other great artists. Teaching might even be the greatest of the arts since the medium is the human mind and spirit. Those in law enforcement... I don't often quote this guy, but Charles Barkley, uh, (laughs) Hall of Fame NBA player, actually said it really sweetly at this time. To me, there's only five real jobs in America. Police officers, teachers, firefighters, doctors, and military service professionals. And finally, one of my favorites, Eleanor Roosevelt. In all our contexts, it is probably the sense of being really needed and wanted, which gives us the greatest satisfaction and creates the most lasting bond. When we lean into each other, when we meet them where they're at, when we serve each other in the best way we possibly can, not just in the way it's convenient to us, but is necessary, we're actually serving our highest purpose. That kind of leads into my personal story. Many of you know, I, I had an opportunity to, to be in public service for a little too short. Um, it was one term as mayor in my former city. But if you hear the year and you hear the motivation, then you say, okay, of course, uh, of course you did that, right? So it was 2009. Previous year, I worked really hard, year and a half, worked hard to get uh, Barack Obama elected as president down in Florida. And that was tough. Florida. Think about Florida <laughs> um, to do that. And uh, Tanya and I, uh, while we were still fairly young in our professions, fairly, uh, we actually set a lot aside, and we went on campaign for him. We hosted Obama Fellows. We got caught up in the energy of that, of that cycle. And in the midst of that, what I was trying to figure out is, why, why, is, this, why is this really sparking me? Why is this getting under my skin uh, this year? And then I remembered Robert Kennedy, what he did for us as a nation in 1968, a year before I was born, by the way, But I was connected um, to, to what he could have been, what he could have done for this country, and how it would be different as a result. So to, 2008 became the moment where I said, I've got to do something more. And so the opportunity came up in the city, the small city, well, small city of 50,000 people uh, where I was living at the time, and we decided we were going to run for office. And, you know, like, like Obama, um, I I, started to get, I tried to get really good at speaking, right? Of course, you're like, you've got to speak, you got to be like Obama. Everybody wanted to be like Obama that, that, at that time. So think about the big idea. What's the big idea? So I, I, I was in a city that was stuck, Stuck, great little town. I mean, when you think about it, it had two, two shores. We had a lagoon and also a beach. Just beautiful, it's paradise. Paradise on this planet. South Florida, so beautiful, uh, beautiful place to be. Um, but they were stuck in the same issues. For instance, on the beach. Hadn't been, uh, there was a, a building up there that hadn't been redone since 1948 because they couldn't agree on what the right outcome was. By the way, it wasn't that it was still in 1948 condition. It was hit by several hurricanes. <laughs> and it looked like a jail, like an old jail on the beach. Uh, and still, that wasn't enough to spark this community to change. They, just, they saw an opportunity to argue about what the future of the city was rather than figuring out what the solution would be. So I thought, okay, I've got a great idea. I know how to bring people together. I'll make the beach the issue. And, you know... When I was elected, I was able to get that stuff done. It was great. Uh, We were able to get some coalitions together, uh, make sure we had some common interests, and I I was able to lower a lot of the argument that was happening in the town. We actually moved forward, got a lot of partners. Um, That's the political side of things. But it was fun to be able to do that, use some gifts that I had. But what I learned once I got into office, is big ideas are good, they're fun, but what really started to move me was what really great elected officials in the past had already learned and they've been sharing but I never really listened to up until that point point. and it was the quiet voices of people who don't ask for very much but need you need you in your position to do something one example was I think I was like three weeks in office and there's a gentleman he said, I've never come to City Hall before, um, but I hear your message, and I want to kind of ask you for something, if you don't mind. He was really embarrassed to even ask. He barely looked me in the eye. He said, I've got these bushes in my front yard. <laughs> these bushes in my front yard. I didn't plant them. The city put them there. And they won't cut them. And they're actually overgrowing everywhere around there. And they're actually – I've had termites and all this sort of stuff as a result of – could, could you do something? Could you talk to somebody? Because they're telling me that I have to pay for it, I have to take them down, but then they're going to fine me if I actually take them down entirely. <laughs> <laughs> he was stuck. He was stuck. He was like, I don't, this is ridiculous. Government's not serving me, um, but I have no voice. And nobody, I've mentioned it to other folks, nobody's doing anything about this. I am not kidding you. It took me literally one phone call. I picked up the phone. I said, guys, either either you just trim these hedges, trim them back, or I'm going to go there myself and do it wouldn't you know the next day I got a call from this guy and they did it for him that's all it took right it's embarrassing to me that it just takes picking up the phone and doing this and this guy had this problem for a couple of years time and again Where I, would act, I did something different than uh, previous mayors I actually went out to the community to actually have these coffee talks and I didn't do them at city hall because most people didn't feel city hall was all that approachable for them so i went on to the community and i would actually have businesses host these coffee talks and the businesses loved it they were lining up for actually we had what three years worth of possibilities from people because they weren't even being asked and i'd go out there without any handlers without anybody from uh, the government kind of there helping me it's just me and the public and just took their questions didn't come up on the agenda wasn't trying to sell them anything took questions and we solved problems I also filtered out all the people who would always show up to city hall. (laughs) You know those folks. I mean, if you've ever been to a city council meeting, they're the regulars, right? Um, Those are great, they're important facets of government. The regulars always get heard. So at these coffee talks, early on I set the stage, I don't wanna speak to the regulars here. We already hear you. I wanna speak to folks who actually don't present themselves. And we got a lot of great information from there. We were able to create a lot of a great movement in the city as a result of just listening to all the quiet voices, folks that don't typically get heard. And, of course, at the time I thought, great, I'm doing a great job, right? I'm helping people, right? This is what I want to do. This is why I came into this. And now I had a new purpose and a passion to help people out. What I didn't realize at the time was that they were helping me. Not only were they physically helping the city become a better city, in which all of us can live in, and God knows they really helped me tremendously when I, um, when I set up initiatives. That's because I set up a lot of volunteer initiatives in the city, too, to clean up the communities, clean up the neighborhoods, and they all showed up. Once I started listening, they all started showing up, and people show up in the hundreds to do these things. Um, but they are helping me um, in very specific ways, knowing that when you listen... People want to give you more. People want to volunteer. People want to be part of their community. In a world at that time particularly, remember 2009. What was going on in this country in 2009? The worst economic collapse that this country had ever had since the Great Depression. People were really worried about their own houses, being able to stay in their own houses. Uh, People were really worried about even the future of this country, right? where we're going. There was a lot of hope in a president they elected into office. But up at 2009, he, uh, President Obama was receiving a lot of flack because things weren't turning around fast enough. But in our community, we we're finding ways to say, you know what, let's shut that noise down and focus on what's right in front of us, what's happening around us. How can we be the change that we need? And I may have had some nice words, but they did the work. They showed me that when you actually just spark their imagination and their passion, they can lift you and carry you anywhere you need to go. And those people are everywhere. Thank goodness at the time, leading up to that, I had finally become a UU. And I realized that there was a power in the community of those silent voices. People were actually constantly doing that. But when I actually was able to spark that in a city, my goodness, um... I'm still humble to this day that it even happened. It feels like magic. This many years out. Um, I don't know how that happened, but it's happening in towns all over the country right now. When you have people who are focused on the right things. One of the things too that I, I shared with them early on, uh, because uh, as I mentioned to you, I actually wanted to get out into the community a lot more and really uh, hear from them, but also inspire them as many times as possible. I became a bit, a bit of a historian for my city. Um, so I looked further back. I listened to a lot of the, uh, the older folks in the town who lived there since they were actually uh, – the town was incorporated, what, in 1913? So fairly old town for Florida. That's old in Florida, by the way. Around here, that's like yesterday. But down, uh, down in Florida, that's a pretty old town uh, incorporated in 1913. So there were actually people, founder families still in that city. Uh, they were the kids of the founders. And so I was able to go around and speak to those folks, and I did a little bit of digging. And I started to find out some of the roots. It was really, at the time when it was incorporated, very progressive. It was the first uh, public owned utility in the entire state of Florida. They had that. Uh, and by that is electric and water utility. Uh, owned both those things. The first post office in South Florida was down there too. There were a lot of these great things. The first uh, paved roads in South Florida existed there as well. So I had to remind them. In this town that people had lost hope in, because largely people had lost hope in government's capacity to do anything for them. They thought they were in trouble. They lost hope in a lot of things. I reminded them of their roots. People had nothing. They moved down to South Florida when there was nothing there except for alligators and mosquitoes, the size of birds. Um, And they set set up shop. In 1913, two years later, they're hit by the worst hurricane that had ever hit the state of Florida, that actually annihilated most of South Florida, they rebuilt all the stuff they had started to build, and they stayed. They continued to grow in their population. These folks were tough, right? They were tough, and they knew the community mattered more than anything else. Um, and what happened shortly after that? The Great Depression. The Great Depression hit Florida before it hit the rest of the, the, rest of the country, by and large they really didn't have very many resources and what resources there were were pulled back centrally within the, the country at the time. So they rebuilt after that too. And they came, became stronger, but somewhere along the line, after the 1950s, when everybody else did great, they kind of forgot what was possible, what the community could actually do uh, when they were pushed. So just reminding them of their history and their heritage and the fact that some of those people actually still existed in our, in our city at the time was enough to get them excited about rebuilding that city. Now, I was only in, in term for, for two years, and not because I was elected out of office. It was just because the economy was so bad, we actually had to move ourselves. So we moved up up here. And thank God we moved here because I get to meet all you guys, too, um, as a result. But those two years are now having an incredible positive consequence in that city, the way they've moved forward as a result. It's, it's the notion that you can be reminded about what you're capable of doing. You set the ball rolling and you do it yourself. And that's what one little city was able to do as a result. And the ball is still rolling. They've had the same mayor in office since I left. They hadn't been able to keep a mayor for more than a couple terms. Um, Not because of moving, they would just vote them out, vote the bums out, they would do that all the time. Same mayor is in office right now. And so they continue to progress and continue to move forward. My mother lives there, so. I call her the the effective mayor of Lake Worth uh, right now. She knows more people than I ever knew. And many of you who've met her kind of know why. She's a better politician than I ever was. Um, but it gives me so much pride, of course, you know, looking back and thinking I was a part of that. But more importantly, it, for me, at, at my center, I now know that I've had the best job I've probably ever have in my entire career. The ability to have positive change in a short period of time with a bunch of people who actually want to come along. How often does that really happen? The conditions were set. I probably couldn't have served at a better time for me, who I I was, for the gifts that I had and the amount of things that I've learned. So now in what I do, I take the lessons from that two-year period of time, which is just a little tiny snapshot in time, to be able to serve my community and also in my work to serve the people that I work with. Yeah, I get paid for what I do now. I still feel that I serve the people that I have working with me. I'll probably never have a better job or ever have a better sense of pride about what I do uh, for a living than I did in those two years. But I'm so blessed that I actually had those two years. And when people nowadays ask me what they should do, because, of course, there's a response to uh, the current president and people want to be able to do something, um, I say serve in whatever capacity you possibly can. And if you need help, I'll help in any way that I can. I'll probably never be in public office again just because things have changed quite a bit, but I sure as heck want to get a lot of other folks, especially women. We need more women in, in office um, uh, to, to really uh, create that hope and that sense that uh, when a young girl looks in the mirror that the person who's in office reflects them as well. That when a person of color looks in the mirror, that the person in office reflects them too. And not just because they were in a special district designed for them, but because they are valuable to everybody in our community. Everybody. That little snapshot in time got me more connected to my real purpose and what our country's real purpose really is all about. And when I come into this fellowship every week and I rub shoulders with people or elbows with people that don't even tell you they're front line. You know, what's the front line? What what is it you've done in the past? They just say, this is who I am, uh, period, not what my profession was. But then you find that a little bit more and you're just like, holy cow, you're a big deal. You're a big deal, too. You're a big deal. Um, uh, I I realize that I I fit. I fit in in a big way. And I want to have a bigger difference in the world. So kind of there are a lot of folks that I read before I went into office because I want to be prepared, right? And Teddy Roosevelt is one of those former presidents that I looked at a lot, not because, I mean, he had a brash style, and there are a lot of things I didn't necessarily like about him personality-wise. But he's a person who didn't have to do what he did. He didn't have to run for office. He didn't have to go into elected office. In fact, it was frowned upon in his generation for wealthy people to go into office. It was considered a lower, a lower level, lower station. But one of the quotes that he said that actually reflect, that reminds me all the time. That's uh, quintessential Teddy Roosevelt, but also a part of me now too. Is far and away the best prize that life has to offer is the chance to work hard, uh, to work hard at work worth doing. Don't waste your time. Do what matters be really good at it, and teach others to do it. And then I'll leave you with the biggest quote. that Everybody has heard this before. For in the final analysis, our most basic common link is that we all inhabit this small planet. We all breathe the same air. We all cherish our children's futures, and we are all mortal. That's the reminder we should all have and the humility with which we should have it when we find a way to connect with people and serve each other and make this world a better place. Thanks for listening. Yes, yeah, so the final words come from uh, yet another odd person for me to quote, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> help others and give something back. I guarantee you will discover that while public service improves the lives and world around you, its greatest reward is the enrichment and new meaning it will bring to your own life. I promise you that. Consider it, do it, support somebody, and celebrate it. Thank you so much for what everybody in this fellowship does on a daily basis outside of this room and what you bring to this church all the time. Please take that thought and those words with you. Enjoy the rest of this beautiful day for as long as uh, the rain holds out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you.